Welcome back. Good to have you. Those of you listening to us in WKTY and Lacrosse, Eau Claire, our friends in Marshfield, Rice Lake, Menominee, Marinette, Shawano, Clintonville, our friends at WDUZ, the mighty radio station up in Green Bay that blasts anywhere and everywhere continuously. Good to have them on board. Our friends in Platteville, all over the uh, the great state of Wisconsin and well beyond the borders. Uh, we bring in now Mark Schofield from uh, SB Nation joining us on the hotline. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. How are you today? I'm good. Um, let's start with first and foremost. Were you surprised, shocked, disappointed, uh, angered? Because uh, Packers fan base is up in arms that the Packers did nothing to help themselves at the trade deadline. I mean, I was surprised that they didn't make a move. I mean, we've seen the report and heard the report that they were in on sort of a Chase Claypool trade that eventually went down with the Chicago Bears. Eventually, the Bears put, a, I guess, a more favorable offer in front of the Steelers, you know, with their own second-round pick. And the report out today said that Steelers believe that, look, that second-round pick from Chicago, it's going to be earlier than the one Green Bay offered. And so I guess they decided at the end that, you know, they weren't going to, in their mind, overpay for a wide receiver. I'm surprised that, you know, I thought maybe a Brandon Cooks move or, you know, maybe even a DJ Moore kind of move might have been in the making. But those never seemed to materialize. I guess Cooks came close to the Cowboys at one point, according to some of the reporting that's out there. So, you know, I'm surprised that a, a move did not get done. I think ultimately, though, you take a step back, you look at the NFC at large, they're even sitting at where their record is right now. It's not like they're out of it. Maybe there's a belief inside the building that, hey, we could still make a run. Look at the rest of the NFC. We can figure things out with what we have. We're not going to overpay. We're not going to, you know, somewhat mortgage the future for a Chase Claypool acquisition if we feel that we can still make a run with what we have. So I'm surprised something did, didn't get done. But ultimately, given what we saw and given what the Claypool deal was in the end, I, I can almost understand it. The uh, I, I I look at it this way, and a lot of people say, well, why if you need more than one guy to help this team, why would you make a deal? First of all, if Rodgers comes back again next year, and we believe with 50 million reasons on the uh, table he will, then at least you get this half of a season to work with a guy, plus you're already on the same page going into next season. Whatever you do in the draft to bolster this team, because God knows they hang on to draft picks like grim death, and then maybe you get another year of Romeo Dobbs. Christian Watson gets a full training camp, doesn't get injured again because he's down yet again. So maybe you get your full complement of wide receivers and a veteran, and then maybe things begin to materialize. I I can't fathom why this team – if you just go through the recent drafts, specifically like you look at a third-round pick, their third-round picks have sucked. I mean, this team has just sucked when it comes to certain areas of the draft, and they hang on to these things, these unproven commodities like grim death, and I just can't understand why. Can you make heads or tails of it? I mean, what's interesting, specifically with the wide receiver position, I think the reason that Packers fans are upset is you look at next year's free agent market and wide receiver is very thin. And in contrast to the receiving draft classes we've seen the past couple of cycles it looks like this class isn't materializing the way we thought and so the idea that you know if that was the idea that oh we're not going to overpay for claypool because we could fix this in the offseason well looking ahead it doesn't look great whether it's the draft level or free agency now obviously things can change we might see somebody that really sort of sets themselves apart from the class whether it's at the senior bowl or shrine game or something like that 
But if the idea is we're not going to make this move because we think we could fix it via free agency in the draft next spring, that doesn't fly with me because I think those groups of talent pools at the wide receiver position are thin. And the draft, as we know, regardless of position, generally speaking, it's an inexact science. You know, we see it all the time with, oh, somebody's a rise or somebody's a fall or somebody ran a great 40, so suddenly they're the best receiver of the draft class. Teams get things wrong all the time. Like you said, Bill, Green Bay gets these mid-round picks wrong all the time. All teams do. And so when you at least have the opportunity to acquire somebody that you've seen on the field in an NFL uniform for the past couple of years, that might have been the better way to go. Uh, do you like what, say, the Bears did and trying to find uh, Justin Fields, who they clearly are invested in now? Do you like what they did as far as adding Chase Claypool to that mix? I, I like it in the sense that it shows that they're trying to add around him. I, I liked the other two moves they made a bit more. The Robert Quinn move, because the veteran pass rusher at this point to get something for him, I thought was a nice bit of business. You weren't going to re-sign Wilquan Smith. It seemed like that relationship had completely fractured. He was saying it's bad faith, the offer that was put in front of him. So to get a second, to get a fifth, to get a veteran player, I think was a smart move by Chicago. I would have, I, I like, in a sense, adding Claypool because it shows that they're trying to build around Justin Fields and we know that they need to add receiver and help. I would have preferred it if he gave, you know, the Baltimore second round pick because, you know, it might be a difference of, say, 20 picks. You know, you basically moved down in the second round to do that. So I question that angle of it, but if that's what it took to get it done, then I understand. So, you know, I, I like the two, the Quinn and Smith moves a little bit more, but it, you can at least see that, okay, Chicago's in a position now where they're starting to add some draft capital. Even with the Claypool trade, they still have three picks in the first two rounds right now. They have about $120 million to spend via free agency. And so they'll be able to continue to make some moves. So that process that we all knew was coming, it's finally begun. The uh, the two quarterbacks everybody's talking about is Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Is Have the quarterbacks declined that much, or has the talent around them not permitted them to shine the way they once have? I mean, I think it's a combination of the two in a sense, Bill. I mean, you know, as we're seeing defenses, again, you know, the too high world that we're living in, trying to really sort of, limit what you can do in the vertical passing game in terms of creating explosive plays. And you and I have talked a lot already this season about Green Bay and their inability to generate some of those explosive plays. When you're forced to try to be patient and live underneath and take easier throws and put together 10, 12, 14 play drives at times, eventually you're going to, you might have a breakdown if you don't have that talent. And that's where the second part of it comes in. So I think with what we're seeing defensively, what defenses are really forcing offenses to try to do coupled with, you know, maybe some injuries, maybe some lack of chemistry issues like we're seeing with the green Bay right now, when receiver and quarterback aren't always on the same page, you know, injuries or inability to protect the quarterback. Like we're sometimes seeing down in Tampa Bay, when you're forcing the offense to put together these longer drives and you force them to be perfect, more often than just one big shot play over the top. When you don't have all the pieces together, that's when you're seeing offenses struggle. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing right now in Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Looking at what the Vikings have done and adding Hawkinson and now getting a legit tight end that can go out and catch passes, be yet another weapon to what they already have over there with Dalvin Cook and company, how good are they now? I think I think the Hawkinson trade was a very good move. Uh, from the Minnesota Vikings, because you're talking about this season, Kirk Cousins, I think he was like 30th in QBR when it 
when throwing to tight ends this year out of 33 qualified passers, you know, near the bottom of the league. Irv Smith Jr. now sidelined with a high ankle sprain for eight to ten weeks. So to get a tight end and to really not give up that much for him, I think was a fantastic move. I know part of the reason Detroit was willing to move on him is from people that I've talked to, they didn't think that they were going to be able to sign him to a long-term deal when his, when his rookie deal you know, finished. You know, there is an idea that the, the, the team and the player were pretty far apart on value. And so maybe Detroit, similar to the Roquan Smith discussion, figured, look, we're not going to get anything for him. You know, we're not going to get him to a long-term deal. Might not get something for him. I think that's what happened from Detroit's perspective. But I still, Bill, you know, dating back to the summer, I still have questions about the Vikings overall. Because, yes, they're 6-1. and one, But the one good team, the one really good team they played, Philadelphia, that's their one loss. They've got wins against Detroit. Saints, the Bears, the Dolphins without two, or the Cardinals this past week. You know, their resume is a little thin. I think we'll know a lot more about Minnesota, you know, Thanksgiving night because over the next couple of weeks after Detroit, Washington, they get Buffalo and Dallas those two weeks following that. And then New England on Thanksgiving night. How do they look on Thanksgiving night when that New England game ends? Because if they've continued to win, if they maybe beat Dallas and have a close one against Buffalo and beat New England, then I'll believe. But if they beat Washington and then lose two or three, two out of three or even three straight, I think we'll get a better sense of who the Vikings really are. You got uh, the Cowboys and Giants are kind of your wild card teams right now if the playoffs were today, and I know that's kind of ludicrous, but re- just living in this right now. Dallas 6-2, and two, Giants 6-2. and two. Then you got San Francisco with four wins, Washington with four wins, and then you got the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Cardinals, the Saints, all it Bears, all with three wins, and everybody's within striking distance. Is there a team in this big mush of mediocrity that you feel is the best equipped to be able to come out and grab themselves an additional wild card spot? You know, looking at that sort of clump of teams, I mean, getting the Cowboys aside because they're six and two, you know, looking at this clump of teams right now, I like what San Francisco has done. You know, they're sitting there at four and four. Added McCaffrey, we saw the impact that he had on that offense this past week, right? Touchdown pass, touchdown run, right. receiving touchdown when they get Debo back and fully healthy, the ways that Kyle Shanahan will be able to stress defenses and force them into some tough situations, because those are two offensive, you know, Swiss army knife type players. You might see some formations where you've got Samuel in the backfield and McCaffrey in the slot. What do you do? Do you put a linebacker over Samuel and treat him as a running back? Do you put a corner over him? Like, how are you going to handle that? They'll be able to really generate, some looks pre-snap that will simplify the decision-making for Jimmy Garoppolo, give them some mismatches. You know, if they decide, hey, we're going to treat Samuel like he's still a wide receiver, we're going to play with a corner over him, they'll run him between the tackles. They've done that before with Samuel. If they treat him like a linebacker, you know, they'll try to get a one-on-one route with him. And so they've got an ability now with Samuel and McCaffrey when they're both on the field together to do some really creative things. And I think we're going to see down the stretch that offense really sort of take shape, create problems for defenses. And I think we'll see San Francisco going on a little bit of a run. I know the Packers uh, coming into this game against Detroit, they're favored. I can't imagine many games after this that the Packers are going to be favored. God forbid they lose this game, but I can't because they got they're staring down the barrel of Dallas after that back at Lambeau Field and the return of Mike McCarthy and all that kind of stuff. So there's going to be a lot of anxiety there. But can you imagine any any game other than this Detroit game that the Packers are actually going to be favored in the remainder of the season the way they're playing right now? Uh, well, I mean, 
you know, I could cheat here and I could say the season finale against Detroit at home. I mean, there's not one. I mean, maybe the Rams team, <laughs> you know, you get that Rams game at home. But, I mean, I, like I said, I took the easy way out with that second Lions game. Maybe that Rams game, but, you you know, because also that Rams game, you're coming off the bye. But other than that, I mean, maybe Chicago. Um, but, yeah, you've got Tennessee. You've got Philadelphia. Wow. You've got Miami on the road. And, you know, Christmas Day in Miami, it's still going to be a little warm then. So Miami's often pose problems for teams. I know New England has always struggled down there. And so it's not the easiest slate down the stretch here for Green Bay. So I'm just going by what you stated, the three games they'd be favoring in Chicago, maybe twice against Detroit. Can we talk about a six, six win season, six and 11 or yeah, six and 11 on the season for, Oh my God. You know, think about that. Yeah, not great. Maybe seven. Like I said, that Rams game two coming out of the box, maybe seven. So, who knows? I mean, could seven wins get you in? I mean, it almost looks like it could in this NFC, especially once those NFC East teams start being up on each other. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get it. Hey, real quick before I let you go, you look at the AFC. Um, obviously, the AFC is somewhat in, in flux right now. Same thing. You've got three teams, four teams that are really good. Buffalo, Tennessee, Kansas City, we believe in. Baltimore's defense, especially in the second half of games, not great. New York, the Jets are sitting in uncharted territory. Miami's at 5-3, and three, the Chargers. And then you got uh, the defending AFC champion, Cincinnati, sitting in number nine. Only four wins on the season. Who's going to creep up, do you think, there? I, I mean, obviously, we believe Buffalo. We believe Tennessee. We believe Kansas City. After that, where does this lie, do you think? Who's got that strong you know, side? I, I really thought Cincinnati was going to put a run together, but with this chase injury and what we saw from that offense on Monday night, now I'm a little worried about the Bengals. You know, so take them out of it. Miami and Baltimore. You know, I look at what those two teams have done in the past couple of days with the moves that they've made. Miami in particular, mm-hmm. right? They're struggling to pressure the quarterback. Last year it was all the zero blitz stuff, and they were blitzing heavy. They were pressuring quarterbacks, I think, the second most in the league. Now they're near the bottom. They had Bradley Chubb, a guy that can win some one-on-ones. They won't have to blitz as much, or if they do, it might be a little bit more successful to get some more pressure on the quarterback. So I like what they've done. Plus two is playing at a very high level. And then in Baltimore, I added Roquan Smith. What I think they'll do is take Patrick Queen, who's shown some burst and explosiveness on the outside as a pass rusher, maybe playing in more of an outside linebacker role. Smith, I think, can then be that sort of inside linebacker that is, I think, an improvement in coverage over Patrick Queen because I really like what Roquan Smith does as a coverage linebacker. And so I think those two teams got some help in areas they needed to address before the deadline. And so I'm watching Miami and Baltimore because I think those two teams might put together a second-half run. Mark, great stuff as always, buddy. We'll talk again next week, okay? Sounds great, Bill. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. Mark Schofield, SB Nation, at Mark Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D, over on Twitter. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. Great to talk with him. A lot of depth there. Always good to chat with him on Wednesdays. Uh, When we come back, I want to get into some of the discussion. There's a lot of stuff that's flying around I want to get into, uh, both on Twitter and over on the Bud Light live stream. Phone calls are coming in. Emails are coming in. Uh, 877-867-1670. If a line's available, grab it. We'd love to get some phone calls coming up next. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels uh, Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Right now, our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin want to let you know, no payments, no money down, no interest, two years. It's that simple. And uh, the commercial is out, by the way. I just found that uh, just found that out yesterday, uh, both on YouTube and on the television. And if you have seen it, great. Get a little uh, glimpse into the house. But that is actually, yes. I had two people email me last night and say, hey, I saw the commercial. Is that actually your house? It is. It's actually my house. It's my door. It's the outside of the house. It's the way it looks. Yes. Uh, not that they showed the whole home or anything, but it is. We're actually sitting and uh, doing the interview in my living room. That's uh, the living room uh, space uh, upstairs. But, yep, and uh, I could not be happier. I'll tell you, I know it's <laughs> – I love the fact that summer's hanging on like grim death here. Uh, just It's just keeping a grip on us, and I, I absolutely love it. I know this weekend's going to be rainy and cold again. But once a cold wind starts blowing, man, I am going to be so thankful that I got that door replaced this year. Uh, the great room already on days that I woke up and – it was in the 30s or the upper 20s, uh, that, that room down there that used to be cool, and I used to have to close it off because it just dipped a little bit too much. It just, heat-wise, it couldn't keep up. Right there. Set right at 69 degrees, and it, it doesn't move. It's awesome. I love that door. It's so economical, and it's easy to operate. I can actually see out of it now down there. It's brightened up the whole room. It's just just a great experience, and it adds value to the house. All the windows and doors are now complete. That's our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Go to PellaWI.com. That is PellaWI.com. So um, this is what – there's there's two things I want to get into here. But this this one, when I heard it, it, it concerned me. Um, this was Matt LaFleur. Mike Clemens had it in his update. If you, if you heard it, great. If you didn't, I want to play it for you. This is what Matt LaFleur had to say when asked specifically about guys. Hey, look, guys are questioning game plans now. This is what Matt LaFleur's response was. It's impossible to please everybody. Everybody has their own opinions, their own ideas. It's like anything else in life. You know, you have to get the staff on the same page first and foremost, making sure that everybody is confident in the plan, and then you teach it to the players. That's the comment from Matt LaFleur. Did you catch all of that? Did you catch all of that? I, I, take a li- really listen to it one more time. I, I want you to listen to it one more time. This is what Matt had. The, the question was, hey, there's guys that are you know kind of questioning the, the scheme here, that so, some of the stuff that's going on, specifically defensively, but there's some guys questioning this. This was the response. It's impossible to please everybody. Everybody has their own opinions, their own ideas. It's like anything else in life. You know, you have to get the staff on the same page first and foremost, making sure that everybody is confident in the plan, and then you teach it to the players. Look, if everybody's buying into your system, nobody's questioning anything. Now, players question, hey, should I be on that guy or should this guy be on that guy? Should I have this side of the field? Should I have that side of the field? Guys will question certain things. But they don't question on a continual basis how they're being used, the scheme. You know? And trying to get the coaches on the same. What? I get coaches will say, we can't do this. We got to do that. You know, here's my, here's what I see. Here's what you see. 
but and I don't want to blow this up too much, but uh, the Wisconsin family tweeted me and said the Packers pay an aging Rodgers a boatload of money. They don't support him with the necessary pieces. The Packers pay Alexander boatload of money, and they don't even put him on the opponent's number one wide receiver. The Packers have the best running back duo in the National Football League, supposedly, and they don't even use them until game eight. Make it make sense to me. My response is I can't. It's absolute stupidity, which is why I've said there is something else going on behind closed doors. We, we, you can't put your finger on it. You're not behind closed doors. You're not privy to it. Is it an attitude? Is it a feeling? Is it a the message from Matt LaFleur has already grown old? Is it the fact that Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze, you know, kind of like when two friends leave a group, the group dynamic is different. It's not as open. It's not as fun. It's not you, you, you don't realize the conduit of what you had for discussion. Is that gone? Is the creativity gone because those two guys are no longer a part of the offense? Is Joe Barry reverting back to something from years gone by? Because for all intents and purposes, this was a defense that played pretty good last year and looked to be ascending and gets two additional players to add depth, plus you get what's considered to be one of the best cover corners in the league back, and yet you don't use them. The way everybody feels you could probably use them. And then it regresses. And you bring in Jerron Reed. And everything regresses. And you can see it. I, I mean, you don't need me to sit here and go, you know what? On a third and six, third and seven, third and eight, when you're playing 14 yards off the ball and you're backpedaling on the snap, do the math. But it's not that hard to pick up a first down. Now, I don't need to be here behind a microphone to tell you that. Because you're already seeing it going, what the F? Right? You're sitting at home. You're throwing your popcorn at the screen. You're in the stands. You're screaming and yelling. And the players are probably looking around going, I, we get it. This is where we don't we don't agree. We, we get it. But this is what they're telling us to do. Tackling seems to be something of, I can't remember the last time we saw a really tenacious defense. Maybe... Zedarius and Preston's first year when they were just getting after it and bringing an attitude, but you don't have that attitude anymore. I, I don't know. I don't know. You had an opportunity to give them a shot of adrenaline in making a deal to acquire somebody that would help you. You didn't. You're always calling you, <laughs> every year. It's same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Every year, it's the same thing. We're on the phone. We were in the mix. We were talking to, but you don't ever make a move. You don't ever. You value yourself more than the team. You don't ever make a move. So, so now what? I, I, I can't make sense of it. I think the questions are legitimate. I think you as... Packer, the one thing I learned when I moved here in 1999, I, I learned it extremely quick, is Packers fans in no way, they're emotional, but they're not stupid. They're not stupid. You know the game. They're not stupid. 
You know what's going on. You can look over that fence. You you know. Now, emotionally, yeah, there's probably some, you know, too high and too low emotions. I understand that. But you can see it. You can see it. Something isn't right. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I wish I did. But when you have a coach that says, we got to get the coaches on the same page, oh, not a, you're not going to make everybody happy. It's not your job to make everybody happy. It's your job to get everybody to buy in. Happiness is winning. Happiness is buying into a program that works. What a coach's job is, is to put your players in the best position to be successful. Setting them back 10 yards deep and backpedaling on a snap on a third and six is the most dumbass thing you can possibly do. Whoever calls that shouldn't have a job. Using a duel of backs finally against the number one rush defense in the league and having success after not really using them all season long and keep saying, oh, that's unacceptable, I got to look at the tape, is a dumbass. I don't understand it. 877-867-1670, hit us up. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you. Don't forget about our friends at JL Tire Service out in uh, Johnson Creek. Lyle and his gang. You can see it right from uh, 94, uh, the Johnson Creek exit, if you're between Milwaukee and Madison. If you're an over-the-road driver, if you're a soccer mom, if you're out there doing sales calls, or maybe you just got a vehicle, you're taking the kids around, or you're taking yourself around for that matter, and you just want to get an oil change or something even more in depth, they can handle it all. That's JL Tire Service. They're not just tires and brakes; they do it all out there at uh, Johnson Creek, at uh, the Johnson Creek exit, right off of ninety four. And if you're the over the road driver, and you need some help, boy, they are uh, they're great. They have the facilities for big rigs as well. So stop out and see Lyle and the gang. JL Tire Service, right out there in Johnson Creek, and tell them we said hi. Also in Watertown too. JL Tire dot com. JL Tire dot com. Uh, 877-867-1670. This is Aaron Rodgers from yesterday on the Pat McAfee show. And he says it feels more like the Packers, more like a football team again. Last week when I said about feeling like the Packers, it was more just we're practicing like a good football team. And I don't feel like we had consistently been doing that week to week. And there's been times over the past where, you know, you have some rough weeks of practice or things don't look perfect and go out and just light it up. And there's been times you practice incredible and go on the field and, and have a hard time scoring. So it doesn't always correlate, but the feeling of it, the energy, it's just felt better. Pre-game, this was the first game uh, of the season where it really felt like we were ready to play, like energetically. Um, and that's a weird thing to put your finger on, but it's more just a feeling that we're dialed in and we're locked in and ready to go. And, and again, obviously it doesn't translate to a win, but that energy, I think, is encouraging for us moving forward. When it comes to Samari, um, you know, I had a conversation with him. 
The uh, and we'll get back into the Samari Tori stuff a little bit later, but it, when you start talking about it, finally feels like Packers again. You're eight games into the season. We finally had good practice. You're eight games into the season. I hear that. That's an indictment of coaching. That's an indictment of coaching. I I don't know about you, but I felt really confident in a lot of the things Matt LaFleur has done coming into this season. Doesn't lose at home. Really protects the home field. Unbelievably good at it, which is the reason when we started going through the, the schedule, I thought, you know, 13, 14 wins. Here we go. You're going to win at home. Some of these road games you're going to get, you're going to get. We could pick the ones they probably wouldn't win, but you protect the home. You're good. This is, this is, this is good. We, you know, 13, 14 wins. They're not going to come close. They're going to be lucky to get to seven, I think. But when you have, now some will say, Aaron Rodgers, you're airing this stuff. You need to shut up. You need to quit talking about, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, okay, whatever. On the other hand, you know, again, I doing what I do, I appreciate it. But as a fan, this is a glimpse behind the scenes. He's saying, look, we haven't had really good practices all season long. We've had a few here and there, but it hasn't been great. just hasn't been. And we finally feel like the Packers again. Wait a minute. You've gone through training camp since the end of July. And we're sitting here now on November. Yesterday when that aired, it was November 1st, November. And you haven't had that. It, wow. That's, uh, that's a little disconcerting, I guess, for lack of a better term. Bill, it feels like not only a coaching thing, but a leadership thing. Where obviously yeah. the coaches set the tone, but also the leaders of the defense and the leaders of the offense and the guys that are supposed to bring the juice and be the heartbeat of those units. If it it, took isn't it weeks, ironic the guy that brought the juice was the guy that seemed alienated from this team who was just named the Defensive Player of the Week? Yeah. That, that they, could be when part when of they it. said they didn't believe in him, that, you know, hey, the injury's too much, and on and on and on, that they, they parted ways with Zedaria Smith. And, <laughs> boy, he's, he's sticking it to everybody uh, over here. Because he's gone on and did exactly what he said he was going to do. And he's not, even though some say, well, he's full of bravado. and He's bringing it. He's walking a walk, man. He's walking a walk. Oh, he's getting Kirk Cousins a chain for Christmas. Imagine Kirk Cousins wearing a chain. Yeah, right. That says enough. <laughs> He'll fall over. Uh, but it's it's just, it's... You know, again, another gross oversight. And and I still wonder, were they that mad at him because he decided to get his back surgery? It certainly has paid off. He did what was best for him at the time. And he certainly, I mean, if you watched him play in game one of last season, trying to move on the field, the guy was going to be completely inept all season long because he, he couldn't run. Boy. Guy made a move for himself, did what he thought was right, and now look at it. He was a huge loss. 
of now last year they played pretty well and he was apparently alienated and not really a part of that defense and he only played one game for a short period of time so i get it i get the thought process but man just another gross overestimation of ah we can do this without him we we can move on without him we we don't have to have this and you're just like wow bill just, i can't stop thinking with why they played well the fact that you had two one-year wonders come in that had struggled most of their careers or been okay and play at a pretty much all-pro level in Campbell and, and Douglas. And then now you kind of relied on two of those guys, to, especially Campbell, to be your leader yeah. this season. And early returns are last year could have been the one-year wonder when it comes to those right. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Rasul Douglas, I think, is a solid player. I don't think – and we talked about that because you've seen him. Prior to him coming to Green Bay, Rasul Douglas really kind of got a shot of adrenaline when he came to Green Bay. He did some things that he just wasn't normally doing throughout his career, but he really he thrived and he praised the fact that he was able to kind of play free and he was playing in a spot he was comfortable and you know because well, they let so, him play zone. There, there, there you go. Jim Schwartz and Philly had him playing man for four years, never worked, and then yeah. on Sunday you saw him on Stephon Diggs. Doesn't work as well when he's in man. And so last year you did not have, um, when it came to playing zone, you did not have Jair, so you were playing some zone. Now you got Jair back. Jair can't be man. They don't want him to. They want him to play zone. They're not playing well in zone, and they're not being aggressive. They're basically being told don't let anything get behind you, so they're playing way back off the ball. And you're like, (laughs) what the hell, you know? And the defense has given up yardage both in the run and in the pass. And it's just like, wow, you know, how, how did things go from being so good to, to so, so off, you know? Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up, feel free to go ahead and do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. This portion brought to you by our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers. K-O-E-H-N, KaneJewelry.com, where the Buy Like a Guy podcast, really solid. But if you're looking for that holiday gift, that's the place to go up to West Bend. It's worth the drive. Kane and Kane Jewelers in West Bend. Go to KaneJewelry.com. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers not able to complete any trade deals, but they were in talks for Steelers receiver Chase Claypool, who's headed to the Bears. Green Bay releasing two players, outside linebacker Kobe Jones and running back Patrick Taylor. Malafleur asked if there's any dissension among some of the defensive players regarding the game plan during this four-game losing streak. We'd be foolish not to listen to our players at certain times, and then ultimately we have to make the best decision for our football team in terms of how do you go about winning the game and there were some great moments and then there were some not so great moments Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee show talked about a bad call on Robert Tunyon for offensive pass interference after losing to the Bills uh, we still haven't played a complete game we're still looking for that for eight weeks that's disappointing but it's the way it goes we've had a lot of injuries you know which hasn't uh, helped us you know I thought there was uh, 
you know, a call that definitely went against us in the game on uh, the Tunyon touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing was they're hand fighting for one. Like, if you want to call OPI, then you have to call a corresponding hold. And Bill's linebacker, Von Miller, discussed with former defensive back Richard Sherman on the Bleacher Report what he asked Aaron Rodgers during the game Sunday night. When I was asking him, like, hey, like, why y'all not passing the ball, man? What you, not only with Aaron Rodgers, but. Russell Wilson and, and... No, 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 no. I'll tell you what Aaron said. I ain't got nobody to throw it to. I don't trust none of them. I wish I could throw it to myself. That's what he said to you. Like, I don't trust these boys. <laughs> they couldn't catch a cold in a snowstorm in Alaska. Like, that's what he said. That's Richard Sherman. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens. On the Bill Michaels Show. Catch a cold in a snowstorm in Alaska. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, This portion of the program, by the way, brought to you by our friends at the Irish Cultural and Heritage Center. I've been talking about them for a while now. And we want to do something uh, with them here in maybe about three, four weeks uh, for Christmas, too. Maybe we'll do a Christmas donation. we got to kind of get that rolling uh, because I think it's a tremendous place. They really decorated up nice for Christmas. But it is a wonderful, wonderful place. And Corey is a great guy who runs it over there. They have got um, uh, Christmas O'Carolin. Coming up, December 18th, Christmas O'Carolin. And if you are looking for tickets in advance, uh, they're anywhere from 25 to 35 bucks. Uh, it is going to be a really, it's the Irish Christmas O'Carolin. It is awesome. If you just want to see a really cool concert in a very historic, beautiful old venue. It is just cool. And again, it's Christmas O'Carolin. And if you want to come up and purchase tickets, ICHC.net. ICHC.net. It is a really cool thing. The Irish Cultural and Heritage Center, it's in Wisconsin, Wisconsin Avenue in, in Milwaukee. And, uh, again, Christmas O'Carolyn coming to town December 18th. Write it down, and uh, it would be a great thing to just go and witness. It's it's really cool event. And uh, they have event planning there, too. If you want to do a wedding, if you want to do meetings, you know, whatever, uh, they've got that as well. But uh, Christmas O'Carolyn coming up. On December 18th. They got to be be fired up over there. Seamus Power won the Butterfield Open last weekend. There you go. Anybody named Seamus winning anything gets them fired up. Yeah, dropping away. I just said a song for him. Oh, they're fired up. You know, I think they've actually played there. I'm a big Dropkick Murphys Murphys guy. Are you really? Well, my dad's from Boston. that That was. Oh, well, there you go. It's kind of a rite of passage. It's the intro to Zach and my radio show. Yeah. Oh, is it really? I didn't even know that. I mean, I I heard the music. I just forgot it was a Dropkick Dropkick Murphys. How about that? Did not know. You can play Dropkick Murphys on this program. We don't have a problem with that. Anyway, have you tried (laughs) catching a snowstorm in Alaska? I haven't done Uh, it No. No, I, uh, I I have not. Uh, I have uh, I I don't really. I know Alaska is a beautiful place, and 
all the time. I, I get asked when uh, travel companies come and they want to advertise, and they say, "Hey, let's let's send you on an Alaskan cruise." You know, you and listeners, and I, I, I love it. I'm sure it's beautiful. I just don't want to go anyplace snowy. I want to go warm. I want to go beach. I want to go beverages. Uh, that's what I want to do. If you want to work with us and you want to send us on a all-inclusive karma to whatever vacation, you know, Bahamas vacation, I'm in. If you want to do a cruise, I'm in. I'm good with that. But I, I just don't have a desire to go to Alaska. I just don't. I know it's, again, I know it's beautiful. I know ice caps are melting and, you know, ice is chunking, falling into the ocean, and it's an incredible thing and the whales and stuff, and I, I just, I don't have a desire. Never have. Maybe when I get uh, old and decrepit one day and I'm ready to, you know, croak over and somebody says, hey, you'll preserve better in the cold, maybe that's where I'll go. But other than that, no. Oh, we can freeze your body like Ted Williams. Yeah, me, Ted Williams, Walt Disney. We can all put our heads in a cryo freezer and call it a day. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, 877-867-1670. Let's go to our buddy Tim listening to us in Sparta. Tim, how you doing today, man? What's up? I am doing well, Bill. Um, I loved your rant yesterday. <laughs> I love it when you go off on these people for being stupid. Um, Appreciate it. But I think, you know, for in answer to your people yesterday that were going off the deep end, I lived through the Packers of the 70s. I, I saw their greatness in the 60s. And then I had to live through the 70s and 80s where, you know, if you got one win a year, you were just happy as all get out. And if you got somehow lucky enough to beat the Bears, you were ecstatic. I don't ever want to go back to those days. I don't. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, if you make a good choice, you don't have to. Um, but at the same time, I think this goes back to the head coach. I think this goes back to LaFleur because we all can see that Barry sucks. I mean, he just does. Um, my question is, is LaFleur the guy that's going to be the next Wade Phillips or Norv Turner? <sighs> you know, they were great coordinators. Yeah. But you put them as a head coach, and they just – they don't have it. They don't have that it to lead a bunch of testosterone-filled guys. Here's the thing. I don't even think he was a great coordinator. I think he's been a better head coach than he has been a coordinator, wouldn't you? I mean, it, just, I, and again, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs, but I'll say this. The rumor was that Matt LaFleur could have been – he maybe had one more year left. If that offense didn't prove themselves, then he was going to be canned. And now he's the head. Instead, he gets the head coaching job of the Green Bay Packers, being this dynamic, influential, creative guy, and working with Aaron Rodgers. And all of a sudden, now all the creativity's gone, and he's scrambling to get guys on the same page. I, I, I wouldn't even call him a great coordinator. Yeah, I, you know, I thought the hire was when it was made was a little suspect. I mean, I think he got hired because of the tree that he came out of. A lot of these guys do. Uh, but, you know, since he's become head coach, well, how can you argue with 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 3, and, mm -hmm. or 13 and 4? My whole argument has been with Aaron Rodgers and the offense that they had, the defense that was middle of the road and a uh, special teams that sucked forever. 
I mean, how many head coaches go into a championship game and utter the quote, I just hope that our special teams doesn't cost us the game. Right. No head coach ever says things like that. None that I've ever heard in the 55, 60 years I've been watching professional football. No coach has ever said that. I think yeah. this all boils down to LaFleur. And I hate to say it, but I do not think that he is a leader of guys filled with testosterone. I just don't. And I think that's the problem. I uh, appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much, uh, Tim. Um, it's a great question. Let's do this. We'll deal with this coming up uh, after the, the, the top of the next hour. We got uh, Brad Spielberger going to be joining us coming up next from Pro Football Focus. We'll talk with him a little bit more about all of this and about some of the teams that got, got better, some of the teams building towards the future, and the team that is stuck in the mud. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. This portion of the program brought to you by our buddy Dwayne's of Dwayne's Cover It All. Wausau is where he's located, but uh, man, oh man, he is Wisconsin's best, the best. Canvas upholstery, boat cover provider. Follow him on Facebook, Dwayne's Cover It All.com. D U A N E S, Dwayne's Cover It All.com. Call him 715 870 2119. Could be office furniture. Could be furniture in your house, your boat, boat cover, travel cover, whatever it happens to be, or storage cover. Get our get all of our buddy Dwayne. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.